Good morning, church. Happy Easter. My name is Paul McVitie, and I am the lead pastor here at Chapel Hill Church, and I just want to welcome you on this Easter. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for choosing this, your prize for choosing this service instead of the early one, air conditioning, (laughs) which failed in the early service, so um, we're not sweating quite as badly this time. Um, So it was was good. It was a a huge answer to prayer to get that turned around between then and now. So it's, it's cooling off a bit in here, and that's good. Um, I just want to welcome you here this morning. For those of you who are visiting with us who aren't regular attenders here at Chapel Hill Church, um, I want to explain to you a little bit of what's going on here at this church, a little context that brings us to today and this time and this message. Over the last year, for the last one year exactly to this weekend, We have been studying together the book of John in the Bible. So we've been walking through John's account of the life of Jesus Christ, all that happened to him during his ministry, and and getting John's take on everything that took place. We've been listening to Jesus' teaching for the last month. We've been looking at Passion Week, at the journey from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross, And um, it has brought us to this day, landing today on John's account of the resurrection, which is beautiful timing. And so here we are, and we're going to look at John's account of the resurrection this morning together. On Friday night, we met here uh, to celebrate the cross together. And we remembered that at the cross, God extended an offer of forgiveness to his creation. He reached out through Jesus Christ crucified and said to his creation, because we had gone the wrong direction, said to us, I want you back. I am willing to forgive you. Come to me and receive forgiveness. And we talked about the fact that at that cross is also the place where we receive forgiveness. It's offered there and we receive it there. And so on Friday night, we went through a bit of an exchange that takes place at the cross. We talked about some things that we bring that God replaces through Jesus at the cross. Things like this. We talked about the fact that we bring our dirty, our lives that have been soiled by sin to the cross and there receive God's clean, God's clean slate, white clothing, the washing that he has for us. We bring death and we receive life. We bring our rags and our exchange there for his riches for us. The old comes to the cross and is replaced with the new, the new life that we're going to talk about this morning as we carry on. We bring weakness and exchange it for strength. The temporal is replaced with the eternal. Slavery to sin is replaced with freedom from sin. Darkness is replaced with light. Fear is replaced with courage. Sorrow is exchanged for gladness. Mourning is exchanged for joy. All this and more happen at the cross where God extends forgiveness to us and we receive his forgiveness. And things start new. And so we want to look at the new and where it started. So I want to read for you from the book of John, from John chapter 20, John's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just listen along as I read John 20 verses 1 through 10. John writes this, he says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, that's how he refers to himself, and said to them, 
They have taken the Lord. They. She was likely referring to grave robbers, which happened from time to time back then, that somebody had broken into the tomb and taken Jesus' body. So she says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So I have to stop here, because this is comic relief in the midst of the resurrection story. John has to point out that he beat Peter to the tomb. Now, it's kind of understandable because at this time, John was about 15 years old, believe it or not. And so for a 15-year-old to outrun the elder, Peter, who was much older than him, a grown-up, he'll have gotten a kick out of that. My sons, the 14-year-olds especially, are quite thrilled when on a very rare occasion, they beat dad at something. They get a thrill out of that, and they should. And someday, they'll beat me at more things, but not yet. So here's John at 15 beating Peter to the tomb, and he's quite proud of it. Now, here's the twist in this whole thing. And, and if you've been here following this, you understand this. John actually wrote this 75 years after it happened. At 90 years of age, he still feels the need to include that detail in this story. I beat Peter to the tomb. I love that. I love this part of the story. And stopping to look in, He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself, which destroys this idea that grave robbers came and took Jesus' body. Number one, they would not have unwrapped his body and left the linen cloths lying there. Number two, would they seriously have paused and folded up the face cloth? That didn't happen. Jesus did that. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, he has to mention it one more time, also went in and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he, that Jesus, must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Jesus, confirmed dead and buried, wasn't there. Can you imagine their thoughts, their feelings, their conversations as they went home from the empty tomb? So we've looked in John's book for a long time now, for a year. And there's something there that I noticed recently, and it's the word life. I found that in John's book, the word life was used over 40 times by Jesus and John. Over 40 times in John's writing. So what were they referring to when they used the word life? Because life can be used in all kinds of contexts. It doesn't just have one place. But the most common way that the word was used in John was when Jesus referred to eternal life. That's the most common reference. He spoke of eternal life. Jesus mentioned eternal life many times. This is what he came to offer. This is important to him. John is the one who captured Jesus saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. 
Jesus brought us the promise that death here on earth does not have to be final. It's not over when it's over in this life. We were created to live forever, and Jesus came to make that a reality again for those who believe in him. Jesus used the word life to refer to eternal life more than any other way. Jesus and John also equated life with light, with light. At the beginning of his book, John wrote that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came to bring light into the darkness that now covered this world. He would be the light that led mankind out of the darkness and into the light that God intended for us in the first place. The life that Jesus brought and lived was and is our light. Now connect the two. Jesus invited us to follow him. That means we know where he went and we go there with him. Not geographically, but spiritually, in character, and in practice. What did Jesus do? Do that. What did Jesus teach us to do? Do that. His life is our light. It makes our way clear. Jesus also used the word life to refer to the provision that he was offering us. He introduced himself as the bread of life. In John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is everything that we need. He is the fulfillment of our pursuit. He meets our needs. He keeps us from going hungry or thirsty in every way. What we need to thrive, Jesus is. Along those lines, Jesus offers us life beyond what this world can offer. He offers us full, abundant life. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He showed us in every aspect of his life that there's something out there for us that far exceeds this earthly fleeting life. You and I were created for a purpose. Our lives were meant to have meaning. But being separated from God has forced us to find that meaning and purpose in things that don't last forever. That's what the thief has done. He's stolen that abundant life that God intended for us. But Jesus came to get it back for us. I can make this personal. I know this experience. I know what it's like to live without the abundance that God intended for us. I lived that life in fear and in isolation for a long time. But thankfully, just as I was despairing that this was all that there was, God let me know that he had something else in mind for me. My life was changed forever. Since surrendering my life and taking up the one that God has for me, I can honestly say that I am now living that abundant life. I struggle, I fail, I face hardship like all of us, but it all points to something now. It all has a purpose. There's meaning in it. When he used the word life, there's one more thing that I hear Jesus saying that I want to show you here. This is what we see in John 15, verse 13. 
Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. God secured for us an eternal, sustained, abundant, meaningful life through Jesus Christ. For those who believe in Jesus, our lives are new. We now exist safely in God's hands. Our eternity is secure. So Jesus comes and he asks us then, as part of the abundant life that he gives us, to lay those lives down for others. I don't need to worry about my own life. I don't, have to pull my, I don't have to put myself first anymore and do everything that I can to preserve and secure my life. God provides. God protects. My eternity is set so I can willingly lay this life down for the sake of others without having to worry about what happens to it. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if the entire world shared this perspective? We were created to live forever. We can have that forever life restored by God in our lives now. And then, knowing that we have perfection to look forward to forever, and knowing that God promises to take care of us in this life, we give. We give. We give our lives for God and for others. This is what Jesus offered us when he walked out of the grave and claimed victory over death. Will we die at the end of our earthly lives? Of course we will. Does that mean it's all over? No, not even close. Things are just getting started. What Jesus accomplished during his time walking and working among us is remarkable. He taught some amazing truths. He showed us who God is. He was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh, and he was so much more than even his words, the the words he spoke, the teaching that he did. In John 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He wasn't just teaching this. He didn't just say that he could give us life. He said that he is life. Jesus said these words when he was with Mary and Martha and was about to raise their brother Lazarus from the dead. He could have said, I have the power to bring life even to the dead, and that would have been incredible. But instead, he claimed to be life. I am the resurrection and the life. It's quite a claim. But this is the very same Jesus who breathed life into you and me. We don't exist without him giving us life, and now he's inviting us to enter into his life. Not just look to him to help us in our own lives. He's got a new, restored life for us. What do you suppose Lazarus' life was like after Jesus raised him from the dead? Do you think it changed things for him? You think he had a different perspective on life, having walked out of his own tomb? Listen, when Jesus raises us from the dead and releases us from the death penalty that separation from God brings and breathes new life into us, do you think he's counting on us to have a different perspective on life? Of 
Of course he is. We have new life. Jesus also said these words about life in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our path to God and our pathway in life. Jesus is truth. We don't have to look for some doctrine, some document, some religion to align with other than the word itself, the Bible. We look to Jesus. He is truth. And Jesus said that he is life. And the only way for us to truly live is to live in him, surrendered to his will, his plan, his purpose for us. And far from being just a distant, impersonal God who has no connection to our lives at all, Jesus has all the credibility we could ever want him to have when it comes to this life. He was not just God, but he was fully human during his time with us. He felt the same pain that we feel. He struggled with the same struggles that we do. He faced life with all its disappointment, all its disillusionment, all the potential despair. He saw it all. He lived it all. So rather than just talk the talk, Jesus walked the walk and he invites you and me into his victory over all of it. He invites us into a new life, into his life. And I want this life. Do you want this life? I want Jesus' life. I want his victory. I want his perspective. I want his strength. I want his perseverance. I want his purpose. I want his meaning. I want his security, his confidence, his courage. I want Jesus' life. I don't want the limits of this earthly life. I don't want to live under the fear of impending death. I don't want to live thinking that every day is just one day closer to dying. I don't want to live believing that this is it and I have to try and get everything I can for myself out of this life. I don't want to live under the judgment of this world, the judgment of people who fear death and think that we're obligated to conform to this temporary world's values. I'm done trying to measure up to a world that's dying. I don't want to live under the fear that if I mess up, I'll have blown this one chance. I don't want to live the safe life of conformity. I don't want to live a life where I matter more than anyone else on this planet. I don't want to live alone in a world where everyone thinks that way, so I know I'm not valued. I don't want to live a life that agrees with the thought that others' problems are not my concern. I don't want to live a life serving the one who rules this world, God's enemy, and who wants only the worst for us. I don't want to live a life worrying about how I'm going to make it on my own, how I'm going to provide for myself, how I'm going to for provide for my family on my own. I don't want to live a life wondering if I'm going to be enough for my wife, if I'm going to be enough for my kids, if I'm going to be enough for my aging parents. I don't want to live a life that lacks eternal 
meaning, and purpose. I want something more. So does God. And so He sent Jesus, and Jesus brought us a gift, the gift of new life, the life that He intended for us in the first place. The old one, the old life, it had to be dealt with. That's where the cross comes in. The old life was put to death so that it doesn't put us to death. The penalty for how far life was now from where God intended it to be was paid and a new life was offered to us. Life eternal. Life that brings light and understanding. Life that provides life to its fullest, free from the limitations of this world and this earthly life. Life that we can lay down for the sake of others without fear. That life. That's the life Jesus brought. That's his life. And I want that life. Don't you? So join John and Peter and Mary at the empty tomb. Jesus isn't there. He's not there. He is risen. He has defeated death. He offered us forgiveness for all that kept us from entering into this new life. And he invites us to walk with him, risen with him, alive forever, free to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for us. And that is worth celebrating on this Resurrection Sunday morning, isn't it? Amen. Going to invite our worship team to come back up here now, and we're going to close our time together by celebrating again with a couple of songs. I invite you to enter in fully as they do. In the meantime, I want to do something with you. I want us to just take a pause and come before God right now. So I'm going to ask that everybody in here just just go ahead and close your eyes for a few minutes and bow your heads. No distractions. Let's just take a moment, us and God. And if you know all this, you've been walking with God for a while, I want you to just take some time and reflect and ask yourself, am I doing this? Am I living the new life? Is there something you need to talk with God about right now? Do you need to talk to, them, to Him about the fear that you have of laying your life down? without worrying about whether or not you'll be taken care of. For some of you here, this is new. You're living that old life. You're living that temporal life with all its worries and all its weight and all its concern. And Maybe you are somebody this morning who wants that new life. And this is the time for you to just come before God in the quietness of your heart and your mind and say, God, I want that new life. Please take my old life and deal with it on the cross and give me this new life, the new life that Jesus brought us. If that's you, Jesus has invited you to follow him. 
And your response to him now is to do just that, to follow him, to discover more about who he is, to invite him to have authority in your life, to do what Jesus does, to do what Jesus says, to lay your life down, and to trust God to take care of all that you need. He is sufficient for you. If that's you this morning, if you're, if you're making that decision this morning that you need this, you want to end this old life, you want to start the new life, a life in Jesus, his life, that's your desire this morning. It's your prayer to God this morning, your cry to him. In this moment, in this peace, with no distraction, nobody looking around, if that's your decision this morning, will you do me a favor? Will you just put your hand straight up? Just let me know that that's what you want. I want this new life so I can pray for you. Let me pray for you right now. God, these people have come before you this morning. You know their hearts. You know where they're at. Your love for them is unconditional, boundless, perfect. And I ask this morning that you would respond to them by just pouring your love out on them. Reminding them that you gave everything. You gave your son so that they could enter into this new life. Thank you for the step that they're taking. I pray that you would guide them to that place of following Jesus. Getting involved with a church that teaches the word of God. A church where they can experience what it's like to follow Jesus as part of a community, a family. A church that explores your meaning and your purpose for them together. Pray that you would set them on a new path. Guide them with your presence, your power, your love, your light, your life into something new, new life. And God, we're here to just praise you this morning for that new life. So many of us have walked in this new life for so long and we do not want to take this for granted. And so we thank you this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross where you offered us forgiveness and you granted that forgiveness and we received it and we entered into that new life. We walked out of the tomb with Jesus into a risen life. God, thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the presence of your spirit, you in us. Thank you for holding our lives securely in your hands. Thank you for having a plan for our lives, for filling our lives with opportunities to be your light to this dark world. Go with us. Guide us. Empower us. Let us be that light. Let us share the news of that new life that you've given us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We can come together and remember the fact that Jesus walked out of that grave and we came out of it with him. That Jesus overcame the world and because we're in him, we have overcome the world. 
Thank you for that amazing promise, that act in our lives, what you've done for us. We praise you, Father. We praise you in the name of the one who made it possible, in the name of the sacrificial lamb, in the name of the one who laid his life down willingly for us, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.